따라 <laughs> No, I didn't actually. I woke up like this. What an awesome moment. How good is that? Just amazing. Amazing. God is so good. First of many, isn't that right, church? First of many that people are going to come in, be discipled, be baptized, and, um, and their lives are going to be transformed because of not what we do, but because of what Jesus does through us, which is just such a privilege. Well, I've got a message this morning that um, I'm actually really excited to preach. Um, I say that every time, but I am excited to preach. I actually, I actually enjoy doing this. I know uh, it baffles my mind sometimes too, having to prepare a message and then preach the message. Even though when I was in school, it didn't really scare me to speak in front of many. I was, however, petrified at doing the best man's speech at my brother's wedding. I couldn't eat properly. I don't know why. Just trying to rack my brain on what I could say about my brother. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, the, the message, uh, title of my message this morning is Temptation, Truth, Triumph. But before we get into it, let me pray. Lord, I thank you that you are here with us this morning, God. I thank you for the baptism that we got to witness this morning, God. And I just know that this word that you've given me is going to encourage people this morning, is going to stir people this morning. And Lord, I pray that it brings us closer to you, Father. Let every single one of us encounter you in a real and authentic way, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I want to read out of Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17 first. So I'll read that. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We just witnessed Emma getting baptized, uh, walking in the footsteps of Jesus, taking on that that new life that Jesus offers every single one of us and going down in the water and, and saying goodbye to the old life and, and being reconciled with Him. Not that that is the salvation process, but that is an outworking of what happens inside of us. And, and I think we can celebrate Emma. I think we can applaud Emma for her bravery in doing that. So once again, well done, Emma, for everything you've done. So this morning, I want us to look at what happens to Jesus after his baptism? And we read that in, in Matthew chapter, or, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. It says this, And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point in the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you. 
and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to a peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. After Jesus is baptized, a dove comes or the spirit of God comes like a dove and descends onto Jesus. And straight away, there's no gap between, it's a new chapter, but there's no gap between chapter 3 verse 17 and chapter 4 verse 1. It says, Jesus was then led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Jesus was led by the Spirit. It, I can't comprehend that. That the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It wasn't a co- coincidence. It wasn't happenstance. It was planned. It was prepared. It was Jesus is going to be baptized, come out, led by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And Jesus is God. So Jesus would have known this was coming. Jesus would have known that he was going to be tempted by the devil. But what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do before this moment, before the temptation? He fasts. He asks God for help. He seeks his heavenly father. He puts aside his natural human needs such as food to seek God. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. And he puts aside natural things to seek God for help. I'll tell you what he doesn't do. He doesn't go around telling 18 different people that this hard thing's going to happen right now and I need so much help and all of this stuff, even though it's good to share with people what you're going through. But he doesn't stress about it and sweat about it all night wondering how he's going to get his way out of this or, or scheme and plan his way out of it. How am I going to avoid this testing or, or temptation time? No, he prays. He goes to his heavenly father and he prays. And for 40 days and for 40 nights, he's praying. He's seeking God. He's asking God for wisdom. He's asking God for help. He's asking God for, for or, or protection or, or encouragement. We don't know exactly what he's praying, but I'm sure he's just pressing into more of God, knowing that he's going to be tested, knowing he's going to go through a hard moment. Jesus is about to face a hard time, and he knows about it, so he prays. Let's look now at what these temptations were for Jesus. Let's go through what these temptations were. And I really believe that God wants to reveal a few things to us this morning. But I do want to say before we go on, temptation, trials, hard times, they will come your way. But we have to ask God what we can learn out of it, how we can grow out of it, and how we can become more like Jesus through it. Sometimes, yes, pray them away. Pray that they don't arrive. Pray that they don't come up. No one wants to go through hard times. But if it's unavoidable, ask God, what lesson do I need to learn out of this and press through it? So the first point is feed yourself. 
So this is the first temptation. Matthew chapter 4 verse 3 says, During that time, so during the time of him fasting, during the time of him pressing into God, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. So Jesus is very hungry. We know this because the writer said, Jesus is very hungry. Jesus is very hungry at this time. And the devil comes to him and says, hey, turn these, these stones here and, and, and feed yourself. Take them and make them bread for yourself. And it seems fair. It seems normal. It seems just. It's like, yeah, all right, I'm hungry. Why don't I eat? It seems okay. It just seems like that's what I can do. That's fine. But what the devil was really tempting him in was to put himself first. You're hungry, Jesus. Do something in your power to change these stones into bread for yourself. Do something in your power for yourself. It's a temptation to use his authority, to use his gifting to serve himself. Jesus is tempted to put his needs first, to change his priorities and it seems harmless. But think about it. How many miracles did Jesus perform that was self-gaining? Or how many miraculous deeds did he do that was self-profitable, that he gained personally out of them in that moment? I can't think of any. So if you can't think of one, come tell me afterwards. But I can't think of any that Jesus did something only so he could gain out of it. And so that is what Jesus is tempted with in this moment. Turn these stones into bread and feed yourself. Before his public ministry was about to start, Jesus was tempted to do something for himself. So my message title is Temptation, Truth and Triumph. In every single step of these temptations, there's a, obviously the temptation element. There's a truth element, and then there is a triumph that we can look at, that we can unlock for ourselves. So the truth is this. Jesus responds to the devil's temptation. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, he says, But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is saying that our needs are not met by what we do for ourselves. Instead, they are met by what God does for us, what God says to us, and what God says about us. That is what meets our needs. The truth is that when it seems logical to put our needs, our wants, our desires first, take a step back and realize that we don't come first. We don't come first. God comes first. In fact, there's a clear order throughout the teachings of Jesus where he says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Or if you want to be great, if you want to be a leader, be a servant, serve others. It's the economy of heaven. It's what Jesus put in place here on earth. The order has been set and even Jesus lived his life to that order. For Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. He did not come to put himself first. He did not come to perform all these miracles for himself, for his own gain. It was for others. He came to serve others. We are not first. God is first. Then others. 
We are not first, but we are not forgotten. We don't just do all these things and serve other people and, and worship God and, and, then, and then we're just put to the side. We are not forgotten. And, and Jesus says this, to the, says this to his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek first God. Seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously and everything we need will be given to us. God looks after those that seek Him. And that's what Jesus was doing. Jesus was seeking God. Jesus was looking for God. That's what He was doing. He was pursuing God in that moment, His heavenly Father. God looks after those that seek Him, those that put Him and others before themselves, those that humble themselves before Him. He doesn't just look after us or feed us. But He gives us life and life in abundance. He honors us and He crowns us. He elevates us and puts us in positions to serve even more people. That's what happens. We serve someone. We serve a small group of people. We serve a little bit more. We serve a little bit more. And then one day you look up and you're serving thousands of people. You are elevated to a position of serving more. That's what Jesus is. Jesus is, is the, the perfect picture of this. Elevated to the highest position. He is the Son of God and He came to serve humanity. That's what happens. That's what makes people great. Is how well do you serve? How well do you lay your life down for those around us? How well do you put God first? How well do you live a righteous life by living like Jesus? That is what Jesus came to establish on this earth. We put God first, we serve others, and we will be fed by Him. We will be looked after by Him. Our needs will be met by God Himself. Jesus knew this in His own life, and He knew that no matter what, He will ultimately fulfill His true desire of seeing everything come to pass for himself all his needs met but it can only come from his heavenly father we all have needs we all have hunger we all have certain things but we all but what we truly need is the nourishment that only comes from our heavenly father as i was preparing it i was thinking thinking of what is the word of god and the word of god is jesus so Jesus is tempted by the devil to turn stones into bread for himself. And Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, or people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Jesus is called the word of God. So Jesus is speaking about himself almost in that moment, saying, I don't need these stones. I've got everything I need because God has put me in this position. And so that's what he's saying to us too in that moment. And you think of the woman at the well, where Jesus is sitting at this well and this woman comes up to him and she's in desperate need. What she thinks she needs is water in that moment. Obviously, she needed a little bit of water, but she needed so much more. And Jesus says, I am the living water. Those that drink from me will never thirst again. And that's what Jesus is. He is the word of God. 
He is the one that sustains us. He is the one. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We live because of Jesus. So the triumph is this. With the truth comes triumph. And Jesus, Jesus' triumph is found at the very end of all these temptations in this moment. Jesus is then taken care of by the angels, it says. Angels come and, and minister to him. The angels come and take care of him. And that's his triumph in that moment. And for us, our triumph is recognizing that Jesus is the word of God. And we are sustained by him. We are nourished by him. We are t- taken care of by him. That is our triumph. Triumph comes after a successful trial period. Uh, number two is this, step out. Temptation two, in Matthew chapter four, verse five to six. Then the devil took him up to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. That is an odd temptation. It sounds a little bit like a bunch of teenage boys. Go on, jump off the roof. It'll be funny. It's just a silly temptation if you read it like that. It's like, wow, great, good, good temptation, devil. Wow, you're really tempting me to jump off this roof here. It seems silly, but what the devil is really tempting Jesus with is to deviate from his mission, to alter his path. Jesus knew his mission. Jesus knew what he came to earth to do. Jesus knew that he was to lay down his life. Jesus knew that he was to die. That was his purpose. That's what he came to earth to do, was to die. So then the devil goes to him, hey, you know your purpose. You know what you're going to be doing. And you know that is the ultimate outcome. You know that nothing else is going to stop that. So why don't you jump off now? Go on. You said you're the son of God. Jump off. Angels are going to protect you because that's not the will of God on your life. You are not to die here. You're to die on the cross. So why don't you take a step out? Jesus is tempted by the devil to deviate off of his path, to change his direction, to alter his mission. That's what the devil was trying to do here. The devil is quoting Psalm 91, such a beautiful psalm of the promises of God for those that seek shelter in him, those that are covered by him. But the promise is reserved for those that pursue God. It's not just a promise, there you go, you're now called a Jesus follower, you're now called the Son of God, nothing will happen to you. It's for those that pursue God. And that promise was for Jesus in his pursuit of God. See, he is fully God, yes, but he was also fully man. So if he deviated from his path, if he did take a step out of his mission, The mission fails. It stops there. That was it. Unsuccessful mission. But he had to pursue God. He couldn't be tempted by stepping off course. He couldn't be tempted by, come on, you said you're the son of God. Step out. You won't die. Nothing will happen to you. But that promise is reserved for those that pursue God. For those that put him first, for those that stay on the path of righteousness and walk in his will and walk in his way. 
And the devil is trying to get Jesus to step out of the will of God. That's what he's trying to do. But it wasn't the will of God for Jesus to do that, obviously. It wasn't the will of God for Jesus to test out his, his godliness in, by jumping off of a roof. It wasn't his plan. It wasn't his purpose. But Jesus knew his purpose, that he was to walk in the will of God, to do what he says and to walk, what, walk the, what he, where he leads him. That's the will of God. And that will led Jesus to the cross, not a roof to jump off. So the truth is this. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 7, Jesus responds to Scripture, also say you must not test the Lord your God. God gave Jesus a purpose. God gave Jesus a mission. And to take a step out of that will of God would have caused the mission to fail. What Jesus, Jesus knew what he was going to face. Jesus knew that it was going to be tough. Jesus knew that it was going to be hard. So because he's fully man, surely there was these moments that he was like, I really don't want to do that. It would be nice if the angels came and and helped me out. And even, even when he was hanging on the cross, someone slurred that to him. If you are the son of God, why don't you call down angels to come and get you off the cross? So that temptation popped up one more time just before his death. If you're the son of God, go on then. Get yourself out of this jam. That's the temptation that Jesus was presented. Jesus walked in the will of God. Jesus knew that there was no reward in walking outside the will of God. And the truth is found in Psalm 37 verse 23. It says this, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. God orders the steps of the godly. Jesus, who is, who is God, lived this out to the T. Jesus did only what he saw the Father do, and he said only what he heard the Father say. He said it himself. He declared it himself in the, in the gospel. I'm only doing what I see the Father do. I'm only saying what I hear the Father say. I'm not stepping out anywhere. I'm not doing anything that is not in the will of God. I'm not doing anything that is not leading me down the path that he set out for me. We have this same opportunity. And so many of us already live it out. And it's awesome that we already live it out. But I want us to be encouraged to continue to live it out. Pursue God. Live your life according to God's principles. And he will order your steps. Do not test him. Don't step out of the will of God and expect him to prevent you from hurting your foot on a path he never called you to walk. That's not how God works. We see it time and time again in the Old Testament where the Israelites would, they would be worshiping God. We're devout to God and everything's going well. And they live in the luxury of the, the hand of God on their life. And then they, oh, look at this. Look at this woman. This is nice. What God do you serve? And they continuously walk away from God, chasing other things, chasing other desires, chasing other other gods even. And God's like, no, that's not the will I have for you. That's not the path I've got for you to walk on. And so what happens? Literally says, God raises up a foe, an enemy to come and defeat the Israelites. And it seems a little cruel. It seems, why does God do that? 
But the best place to live is in the will of God. When we are outside His will, we are vulnerable to defeat. But don't take my word for it. David said it well in Psalm 23. He says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to His name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. The key there is in the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my leader. The Lord is my guide. The Lord is the one that directs my steps. The Lord is the one that orders my steps, and I walk on His path. And all of these blessings come. All of these promises come to those that allow God to be their shepherd. And so here's the triumph. Triumph came for Jesus three days after his death. The time had come for Jesus to give his life up. And and in the will of God, Jesus was raised back to life. In his act of obedience to his father, Jesus triumphed over death, over the power of sin and over the grave. In this moment, the promise of God, the promises of God were fulfilled, opening up eternal life for all mankind who accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, enabling us to turn to God to inherit eternal life. One day, we who are called children of God will enter eternal lives and we will live eternal lives where there will be no death, where there will be no hardship, where there will be no pain, where there will be no suffering, where there will be everlasting joy. That is our triumph. That's what we get to hold on to. The triumph of Jesus in this moment is our eternal triumph, a victory that we get to take a hold of and place our hope in, knowing with confidence that although on this earth we are subject to hardships, on this earth there is pain, on this earth there is even death, But that death is a doorway into our eternal life with our King of Kings. That's that's our triumph. That's what we get to hold on to. Number three is this, change teams. So this is the third temptation in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 to 9. It says this, Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I'll give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Now this is, I was making a joke about the the silly jump off a roof like a teenage boy. But this is by far the most outlandish temptation. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Worship me. Don't forget about your heavenly father. Worship me. The devil is asking Jesus to change teams. Worship me. And if Jesus does... The devil will give Jesus all the kingdoms of this world along with their glory. It seems so silly. It seems such an obvious attempt to dethrone God. But it was a real temptation because of this. Jesus is tempted to change teams. In return, he will receive all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. It's a temptation because Jesus 
knew that one day he would be king of all the kingdoms. He knew that one day he would receive all the glory. But not yet. There was a process to follow. There was a road to walk. There was a method to the reward. The devil was offering the result that Jesus was going to receive, but fast forwarded and by a different method. It's simple, Jesus. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to take on the sins of the world. You don't have to to take on the burden of humanity. All you have to do is worship me and I'll give it to you. See, the devil is the prince of this world. It says it in scripture. The devil is the ruler of this world because we were given authority by God to take care of it. We're back in the garden, Adam and Eve, great place. I've heard about it. We were given that authority as human beings to have dominion over the earth, to rule the earth. But when we sinned, when we fell subject to sin, when we gave in to that temptation, appreciate it, Eve. When we gave in to that temptation, I'm kidding, Adam was just to blame as well. We gave over that authority to the devil. That's what happened in the garden. We said, you're the ruler now. And so when the devil says to Jesus, I will give it all to you, it's not a lie. It was a real thing. It's, I've got it. It's in my hands. Your people gave it up. And I know you're going to get it one day, but I can change the way you get it. Just worship me. The truth is this. Jesus doesn't buckle. He stays true to who he is, the son of God, not a slave to the devil. Jesus tells the devil to get lost and reminds him of of the truth. In Matthew chapter 4 verse 10, Jesus Jesus says, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. There is no one worth worshiping other than God. No one else created the heavens and the earth and everything on the earth. No one else is worth worshiping. It's only God. It's only God who is worth worshiping because he he created everything out of love for love. He created you and I out of love for love. He is worth worshiping. In Revelations chapter 4, verse 11, it says, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. What good does it bring worshiping anything else? Does it bring success, fame, fortune, riches, safety? Jesus said this in in Mark chapter 8, verse 36 to 37. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? What we give up in return for the things of this world is our soul. We give up our eternal life. We give up our position as righteous heirs to the kingdom of God. Nothing is worth more than our souls. No success, no fame, no fortune. Nothing is worth more than our souls. We lose our souls when we change teams. No one in their right mind just outright worships the devil. No one does that. Instead, we choose or people choose to pursue other things. Sorry, God, I'm just a bit too busy for you at the moment. I'm busy chasing these millions and millions of dollars. Not that millions of dollars are bad. Millions of dollars can build the kingdom of God. But it's the pursuit of that over God. People start chasing 
fortune and fame and riches and, and all these things, these accolades and esteem. People start chasing followers on Instagram. For what? They start chasing all these things. They start putting it above pursuing God. Listen to the words of Jesus. You must worship the Lord your God and only serve Him. That's the truth. Worship only God and serve only Him. When we live out this truth, triumph will be ours. And this is the triumph. At the right time, in God's timing, Jesus was triumphant. Jesus didn't change teams. He lived a life that was in the will of God and He died a death that was in the will of God. And he was raised back to life because of the will of God. And he did all of this in worship to God. Because of his devotion to God alone, he received all the glory and all the kingdoms that he is now king of. He received it all. And the kingdom that he is king of is eternal. All these other kingdoms that the devil showed him, they all fell. All their glory all gone. But the kingdom that Jesus is king of is eternal. In Revelations chapter 5 verse 11 to 13, we're reminded of this. Then I looked again and I heard the voice of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth in the sea. And they sang, blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Jesus is that lamb. Jesus is the one that was slaughtered. Jesus is the one who is worthy. He receives all the power and riches. He receives all the glory and honor. He receives all of this and more, not only because He is God and it was always His, but because because He chose to worship only the Lord His God and chose to stay on the path of His heavenly Father, the path that He set out for Him. Because of His triumph, we can be triumphant. By choosing Jesus as our Lord, by walking in His will and in His way, we, we, uh, we find our triumph in Him. Paul says it well in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 14. All praise to God. This is, this is a stunning, stunning scripture. So like, listen. <laughs> listen. All praise, and God, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son, and forgave our sins. He has showed, showered us with kindness, with His kindness, 
along with all the wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And, it's, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to Him. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believe in Christ, He identifies you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify Him. Can I have the band come up? Jesus was tempted in three parts. First, to shift His vision, to change His priorities. Then, to distract Him from His mission, trying to set trying to set his attention on his own position, not his purpose. The third temptation was a shot from the hip to attempt, to Jesus, to attempt for Jesus to change teams and to return. I don't know. I don't know, Kerry. Can I start again? Title of my message this morning... <laughs> I don't even know where I am. It was an attempt to Jesus change, so that Jesus would change teams in return. I wrote it wrong. I wrote it wrong, everyone. We'll make it through. Let me try this again. Because it's good, I promise. I don't even know what I did. Ah, I, I, I forgot the word get. We'll cut this out of the recording. It was an attempt to get Jesus to change teams and in return to receive what ultimately belonged to him, but by a different method. And then the truth is that God comes first. Jesus came to serve others, not himself. And we are here on earth for the same reason, to serve God and to serve others, not ourselves. God's will comes before our own will. And walking on the path that He has prepared for us will lead us to the completion of our purpose. And God is the only one worth worshipping. No one else can compare or come close. He created us and, we, and all we see because it pleased Him and because of the love that He has for us. Triumph comes when God is put first. Triumph comes when His will is our will. And triumph comes when we save our worship for God and only God. We are all made righteous in His sight. And we are all seated with Christ for eternity. That is our triumph. And that's what happens when we take hold of Jesus. There's so much richness and so much beauty in these couple of scriptures that I've read this morning. And I really pray that you've received something from these 
readings of the temptations that Jesus went through. And I pray that it's something that you can apply to yourself, that you can walk through, that you can look at your own life and go, well, Jesus did that like that. Jesus did that like this. And Jesus died for me. And Jesus laid down his life so that I can have life and life in abundance. And like what I said to Emma, when we receive Jesus, it doesn't mean we become perfect. It means we become righteous. And our pursuit of perfection starts there. We continuously pursue Jesus. We continuously walk after Him. We continuously follow His lead. Walk on the path that He set before us. And when when we open our eyes in eternity, we achieve perfection with Him. Not because of what we've done, but only because of what He's done. And that's the beauty of Jesus. That's the beauty of what He said no to in these temptations, that he stayed true to the path, that he did not waver, that he did not buckle, that he continued to live out the purpose and the plan that God, his heavenly father had for him. For him. So I want us to pray together this morning and why don't we all stand? I thank you, Lord, for what you did for us. I thank you, Lord, for the temptations you said no to, God. I thank you that you were so prepared. Lord, I thank you that you example to us what we have to do before we face a hard time. And Lord, I thank you that in you is the answer. I thank you that you are the Word of God. I thank you that you sustain and nourish and fill us up, God. That we will never thirst again that we will never hunger again for anything else because you are the eternal bread of life.